Well, welcome to Encounter. My name is Bill Reese, the pastor of Encounter. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, before we get going, I just want to dedicate the services to two special ladies uh, in my life. The first today was the celebration of life service for Connie Johnson. We had it earlier uh, this morning, and we celebrate her life and her new life with Jesus. And uh, it was a great homegoing service. I also want to dedicate this service to my wife. It's her birthday today, and she's the hottest babe in all the land. And uh, so I just love her and so, so, so grateful for her. But I just want to welcome you back to Encounter, whether you're here at the sanctuary or online, joining us around the country. We're so grateful that, you, that you're joining us. And we're in part two of our Holy Spirit series that we kicked off uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a cancel last week because of the rain, which is a rare occurrence here in California. But here's what we learned the first week. We learned that the Holy Spirit is God's only agent on planet Earth. The Father sent the Son, the Son completed His work, and the Son sent the Spirit. Jesus said, I have been with you, but He, the Holy Spirit, will be in you. Now, for many of us hearing about the Holy Spirit for the first time, it'd be easy to come to the conclusion that I need and I want that power in my life. I want the power to help me, to stop me, when I'm about to make a bad decision, anybody? I want the power to love my enemies. Don't be so quick to answer that one. I want the power to resist the evil one, to resist the temptations in my life. I want the power to resist my flesh, which is at war with my new nature. And my old, which, which is at war with my new nature and the Holy Spirit that lives within me. I want love, joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and all the fruits of the Spirit to be produced in my life because I know it's going to change my life for the better. I want the most attractive thing about me not to be the bling on me, but the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, shining His light through me. I want to be led by the guiding light of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to be my highest power, not a higher power, because I need a power greater than myself to help me recover. And you know, many people talk about the Holy Spirit as a force, a ghost, a power, a manifestation. Oh, I got the goosies and all that stuff. But the first point I want to make tonight is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Not just any person, but the God who created the universe, living inside of you, that loves you more than you can love yourself, that desires an intimate, ongoing, personal relationship with you. And friends, I know that you're going to be encouraged by seeing all of this played out in Roma's story. Check this out. Let's just put it this way. When kids grew up in the suburbs, uh, they had doctors and lawyers to emulate. I want to be like John's father, who's a lawyer or a doctor. Well, our experience and my experience in Harlem was I wanted to be a gangster because that's what we saw. We saw these gangsters riding down the streets in fancy cars with, with beautiful women uh, and having this level of power and money and prestige. That's what I wanted. I started out at 13 paying off cops, crooked cops in the neighborhood. Uh, me and a friend of mine, we were selling, I, I was about 14, and we, had a, we were selling drugs in the school. 
I wasn't scared of the streets, but I was scared of my mom. I used to sit in front of my store in a beach chair, sniffing cocaine and drinking champagne in broad daylight. That's how nuts I were. Now, when you study the life of Jesus, and I think it's important for everyone to study the life of Jesus, it's so easy to focus on what he said and what he did. That's very important because what he said and what he did gives us hope for today and gives us hope for tomorrow. But did you ever study how Jesus did the things he did? How he said the things he did? How he performed all his miracles? How he knew where to go? What to do at just the right time? How did he perform every single miracle when he came in the form of a man? I mean, how in the world did he get through 33 years without sinning? I can't get through 33 minutes without sinning. Well, let's take a a look at some key moments in Scripture in the life of Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 37 says this, You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power. And because he was anointed like that, he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How was God with him? Because he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, many will argue that Jesus did what he did because he was God, and he exercises divine powers. But when Jesus was sent, yes, he was sent as the Son of God, but he was also sent in the form of a man, just like us, who had to figure out how to walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit, just like we have to. Jesus had to learn trust. He had to learn obedience. He had to learn dependence upon God. He had to learn how to resist temptations. He had to learn how to let God's word save him in tough situations. He had to lean on his father, just like we all have to learn how to do. When Jesus lived on planet Earth, he depended on the Holy Spirit, prayer, the Word of God, and his Father to accomplish everything that he did. The glue that held it all together for Jesus Christ was the Holy Spirit. How was Jesus Christ born? Luke 1.35. Let's go to the videotape. How will this be, Mary asked the angel? Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Luke 3.21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven voice came from heaven and said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. It's all the Holy Spirit. When Jesus went into the desert to be tempted for 40 days, you think he just said, well, that's a good idea. No. <laughs> Luke 4, 1 and 2 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days... He was tempted by the devil. Why do you think that happened? One of the reasons why the Father sent the Son in the flesh, in human form, was just simply to perfect Jesus through his obedience where he would understand and sympathize better than anyone our weaknesses when we get tempted 
and the pain and suffering we experience through difficult trials. Hebrews 4.15 says it like this, For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Hebrews 5 says, Yet while Christ was here on earth, he pleaded with God, praying with tears and agony of the soul to the only one who could save him from premature death. And don't miss this. And God heard his prayers because of his strong desire to obey God at all times. Let's take a time out right there. Let's just switch gears a little bit. I just want to give you a little tip on how to make your prayer life really, really powerful. You want to make your prayer life really, really powerful? You want God to show up in impossible situations? You want to experience heaven on earth? You want to experience the power of God? You want to see God's promises that are all yes and amen to those who are in Christ come true in your life? Have a strong desire to obey God at all times. Have a strong desire to obey God in every area of your life. Not just some, but in every area of your life. And God heard his prayers because of his strong desire to obey him at all times. Why is this important? You see, even though Jesus was God's son, he had learned from experience what it meant to obey him, what it meant to obey his father, even when obedience meant suffering. See, it was after he had proved himself perfect in that experience that Jesus became the giver of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. Here's what this means to you and me. Jesus' life could be summarized as one who was spirit-empowered, spirit-led, and spirit-controlled. Jesus depended, again, on the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer, and fellowship with his Father to accomplish everything that he did. Even Jesus, the perfect Son of God, had a guiding light. And if Jesus needed a guiding light to accomplish God's will, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to lead us, and guide our lives into the perfect will of God? And I'm in the back of my store, and a young lady comes up to me. Christian, I mean, face of an angel. And she gives me a track and she says to me, Jesus loves you. I ball the track up and I hit her in her face with it. And I tell her, get out of my store. I don't need God. I make my own bones. Church is for wimps and it's for cowards. I don't need God. I make my own money. I don't need God to make money for me. I don't need God. She walks out. Mind you, two days or three days later, in my store, here's another young lady. She comes in and she does the same thing. Well, I do the same thing. Get out of my store. But the amazing thing after that, I started to think about it. And what was so fascinating about those two young ladies is that when I hit them in their face with those tracks, all I saw was love. That blew my mind. Even when I disrespected them and cursed them out. I was enamored by that love, man. I said, wait, I couldn't figure that out. My partner who was a cocaine dealer, father was a preacher. His dad was a preacher. 
So one day he comes into my store, comes to the counter, and he says, Roma, God is calling you to preach the gospel. You're going to get saved. I looked at him and I says, no disrespect, but how can the devil's son get saved? I know a little scripture and it says that the devil can't be redeemed. So I was literally calling myself the devil. And it was amazing. He said to me, you're going to become a Christian. You're going to be saved. God's going to use you in a mighty way and you're going to preach the gospel. Now, many theologians believe that in John 14 through 17, those chapters all took place at the Last Supper. The last night Jesus spent with his disciples before he would be taken away to be crucified. Now, Jesus had a lot of things to say this night in one of the most epic conversations that revealed the love and purpose of Jesus' life here on planet Earth. This was his last conversation he had with his disciples. He said things like, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you because in my father's house are many rooms. And in John 14, 15 through 18, he gets right to the heart of the matter. When Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. If you do that, I'll ask the father and he'll give you another counselor, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, another name for the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. Why? For he lives in you and will be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. John 14, 21, he says it again. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. How is Jesus going to show up and show himself to you when you obey God like that? Through the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus talked about the vine, remaining in him, remaining in his words. And if you do that, you're going to bear much fruit. He says, that's how you remain in my love. And that's how you love me back. And then he starts shifting the focus back to the Holy Spirit. Trying to get them to understand why he has to go because these guys can't figure it out. And why it's going to be so much better for them to have the Holy Spirit living inside of them as opposed to Jesus being with them, teaching them. John 16 says this, Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good. It's better for you that I'm going away unless I go away the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, if I get out of your hair, I'm going to send them to you. Now I've got a whole lot more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, here it is, the Spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into truth. Friends, here's what I've been learning. You have to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. If you want to run errands for the Holy Spirit, you got to learn how to say yes to Jesus being the Lord and leader of your life. If you say yes to Jesus being the Lord and leader of your life, you got to say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth. If you say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth, then you have to spend the rest of your life allowing Jesus to teach you how to love Jesus out of gratitude and not obligation. Because if you obey God out of gratitude and not obligation, then you're going to experience the Spirit-filled life. If you experience the Spirit-filled life, 
You're going to experience grace in its purest form. And you're going to follow God out of a place of gratitude instead of obligation. Because there are two lives that people live. You're either one, living one of two lives. It's either the self-life or the spirit-filled life. Some refer to it as either living under the law or living under grace. If you're living the self-life, here's a few characteristics of living the self-life. See, the self-life means you have to follow the law. You're not under the grace umbrella. And the law says if you break one, you break them all. You may be a good person, but if you break one law in your entire lifetime, it's as good as breaking them all. And by living the self-life and living under the law, you're obeying from a place of obligation, which always leads to guilt and condemnation. That type of life is a self-reliant life that's reliant on you and your goodness and not on the Holy Spirit. It always leads to death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it always leads to death. The result is always fear, fatigue, failure, frustration, and really a life dominated by fears that will consume you. And that type of life just grieves the Holy Spirit. Again, the result is guilt and condemnation and a list of do's and don'ts. Friends, a rule without a relationship always leads to rebellion. Did you know that? Another name for the self-life would be religion. Now, the spirit-filled life, that's the life. See, that's the life that's defined by grace. You're protected under the grace umbrella. When you're living the spirit-filled life and you're under grace, you obey God out of a place of gratitude. Because you know that all your sins are already forgiven. And it's not you doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work for you. Instead of death, that's the, the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for. That's a life of faith, which always pleases God because the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And it also pleases the Holy Spirit. The result of living that type of life is living in the flow of the Spirit, therefore protected under the grace umbrella, which another name for the spirit-filled life is called relationship. Titus 3 says it this way, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing, here it is, of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That's how you change from the inside out, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by what? Grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that all who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. I'm in my store, and there's an old retired, well, old gangster in my store. And I said to him, wait a minute, I know somebody with that name in Harlem. And he said, yes, that's my son. About a month later, a black Mercedes pulls up to my store. And I'm thinking, 
what do they want with me? Because his son is a contract killer. That's what he does. I know him from Harlem. One day he pulls in front of my store. I see him, I go out, I jump into his car and I say, listen man, what do you want from me? And what he told me sent chills through me. He says, I know where you live. You got a cute little baby girl. Cute little girlfriend. You're doing about a million a year at this store. I'm impressed. No mob connection. It's all black owned. I'm impressed by that. He says, he, he told me where my mother lived. He knew everything about me because that's what they do when you're a hitter, when you put in work, you research your people. He said to me that we're going to create a hit team like Murder Incorporated back in the 30s. He said, but the only thing, Roma, we're gonna be bigger than them. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to recruit young men and we're gonna train them to be contract killers. And he says, we're gonna be rich. And he had his gun right on the side. So all of a sudden, all of those thoughts come back. The little girl's giving me the tracks. My partner's father saying, God is calling you to the ministry. And in my heart, I said to myself, I said, God, if you are real, I need you now. And when I said that, the power of God came into that car. All my fear was gone. I looked at him and I pointed my finger at him and I says, I don't want no part of you or your plan. And I said, besides, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And when I said that, the atmosphere changed in the car. I got out of the car. I'm walking into my store because I'm figuring he's going to shoot me because now he's revealed his plan. Can't allow me to live because I'm not going to get down with him. When I went into the store and when I turned to look out the door, his car was gone. To this very day, I never saw him again. So who's the Holy Spirit to you? Who's the Holy Spirit to me? Well, if you're taking notes, number one, he's my personal counselor. The Holy Spirit wants to counsel you. Listen to this very carefully. How does he counsel us? The Holy Spirit counsels us by guiding us into his truth. When we agree with his counsel, guess what? He rewards us with his peace. If we disagree with his counsel, we forfeit that peace and possibly God's blessing. The Holy Spirit's job at first is to convict us that we need a Savior, and the devil will do everything in his power to keep you from trusting in Jesus and believing what the Bible says about that. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. See, the devil wants you to think that the Holy Spirit wants to convince you that you're wrong, that you're not living right, and that God is going to get you and destroy you. Truth is, the Holy Spirit wants to convict you that you need a Savior, 
And when you accept that Savior, you're in right standing with God and you have authority over the devil in Jesus' name. Number two, he's my personal guide explaining God's truth to me. That's who the Holy Spirit is to you. He's your personal guide explaining God's truth to me. You know, a library has some great books. I don't know if you're a reader, any of you like to read. There's one book that you can never really, really understand. And that's this book. You know why? See, the Bible can never be fully understood unless the person who wrote it explains it to you. The Holy Spirit. You know, when I was a kid, I wasn't a sharp kid. And, and as far as math and geometry and algebra and all that stuff, and I was dumb as a doorknob. I just couldn't figure that stuff out. But there was a kid in my class, one of my best friends of all time. His name was Louis Pasquale. And he was one of the, he was one of the smartest guys I, I, I've ever known. Matter of fact, t- today, he's the number one glaucoma specialist in the world. That's how smart he is. Smart guy. And so I stopped him one day. I said, Louis, I'm just not getting this stuff. Can you, like, tell me how to do this stuff? Can you tell me how to do this algebra, multiplication, all this stuff? And Louis just sat down with me one night in my apartment. And he just showed me. He just made it real plain to me. He just made it real. He showed it in such a simple way. Because he knew so much about it, far more than I ever knew. You know, when the disciples were here, they had the best teacher, didn't they? They had Jesus, right? Here's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit, he will teach you truth. He will teach you all things. And here's a common mistake when studying the Bible. If we're going to take the approach that we're going to read it like a newspaper or study it like a newspaper, then we're never going to fully understand God's word and how to apply it to our circumstances. You see, when we don't, have, when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to make God's word plain to us, and real to us, we're going to get in trouble. You know, I've found many times in my life that I'm reading this Bible and I'm just not getting it. There's some stuff that it's just not getting into my heart. And the disciples are like us. They're like me. They didn't get it like so many of us. Have you ever read a verse like 10, 15, 20 times? And all of a sudden, it makes sense to you. After all these years, what happened? You know, what that, you know what happened? That was the Holy Spirit making God's word real to you. You see, and although we need teachers, and teachers are important, I want you to look at what it says in 1 John 2, 27. As for you, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, that you have received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. You see, here's what I found. When I remain in him and I want to follow God from a place of gratitude, this is like a Dr. Seuss book to me. It's really that easy to understand. And it is possible for a simple person to know more about God than a person with a PhD. But we can fall into the trap thinking we can know the Bible. But if there's no spiritual change that's changing our hearts, then the Holy Spirit's not being allowed to work. And if you're not being allowed the Holy, if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be your personal guide, to be your own interpreter, then you're going to open yourself up to the devil and people who will distort the word of God. And there is a great danger to reading the scriptures without asking the Holy Spirit to teach us. See, the Bible means nothing unless the Holy Spirit teaches us 
and explains what he wrote really means to us and our personal lives. And if the Holy Spirit is not being allowed to operate like that, then like so many, we can fall into the trap and the habit of reading Scripture just to justify what we already believe. And if any verse troubles you or you disagree with it, you're going to discard it. And that's why you make the Holy Spirit your personal guide and interpreter, guiding you into truth. Number three, he's my friend and he's not weird. People are weird, but not the Holy Spirit. He's kind. He's a kind, compassionate person who loves you. Anything weird associated with the Holy Spirit has come from weird people who have misrepresented the Holy Spirit. God is a God of order. Number four, the Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit gives and produces good things in your life if you let him. He gives you gifts so he can produce good fruit in you. He gives you himself, just like Jesus did, so you can love Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. Jesus died so that you can live. See, when we die to ourselves, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes alive in us, and he gives us things like gifts. He produces good fruit. He teaches us how to love. He gives us resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will live in us and quicken our mortal bodies. He gives us himself for fellowship and relationship. Number five, the Holy Spirit is my God who desires a personal relationship with me just like Jesus. And number six, the Holy Spirit is just as reliable as Jesus and he will never, ever let you down. The scripture says, if God be for you, who can be against you? What can separate you? I immediately called my mother and I told my mother, I said, Mom, I'm going to come to church. I said, Mom, I had an encounter just now that you won't believe. So I walk into the church and I'm sitting in the back and the usher says, do you want to come up? No, 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 no. Because I still think church wimps, you know, wimps go to church. I didn't want to see anybody see me go into the church. So I'm sitting there. And the preacher is preaching my life. You know what scripture says when a man, when the church is operating, the secrets of that man's heart is revealed and he'll fall on his knees and say, surely the Lord is in this place. Well, that scripture came alive for me. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, how does this man know how I was living? And I said, when I said, my mother must have, I, I got caught. Because I said, man, only me and God knows this. It's God funneling this information to this guy. Anyway, as I'm sitting there, he makes an altar call. Now, there's no one beside me, not a single person. I'm sitting there, and a voice says into my ear, go. I, I go, whoa, where did I come from? I'm looking around. I said, wow, this is getting spooky. I said, wow. People came up to give their lives to the Lord. And the pastor says, for some reason, I can't go on. There's someone here God sent today. I don't know who you are but I can't continue my message until you come. It's your last chance. And when he said it's your last chance, an invisible hand, uh, I felt the hand, it touched my shoulder. And when that hand touched my shoulder, I felt the love 
that I can't describe. And the voice said again, go. And that was the Holy Ghost. That was the Holy Spirit. And when I walked down that aisle, I was saying to the Lord, God, do I have to give up my cigarettes? And he was saying to me, yes, I'll give you something better. Lord, I got to give up the cocaine. Yes, I'll give you something better. Lord, not the women. Yes, I'll give you something better. And when I went down to that altar and the pastor was going around praying for people, and when he got to me, I remember going down on my knees and he had his hand on my knees and he was saying the sinner's prayer. My life went into recall and the Holy Spirit brought my mind to all of those dangerous times when I should have been killed. The Holy Spirit was saying, I delivered you from that. I saved you from that. It was me who kept them there. And the most chilling thing, there was two chilling things that the Holy Spirit said to me. The first one was not as severe as the last. The first one was this. And the Holy Spirit says, the very people that you were around wanted to kill you and I kept them from killing you. And the last one was the most devastating. And the Holy Spirit says, if you would have not come, you would have been in hell. And when I said that sinner's prayer, I literally felt my sins being lifted from me. I remember jumping off that floor and leaping up. And, and at that time, my mother's wasted. She's in the choir stand. She's like, oh, God, thank you for saving my son. Oh, Lord. And the ushers are fanning her. And they're doing all of this, right? When I jumped up, I said to the pastor, I feel so light. And the pastor said, son, that's your sins. God has took them and threw them in the sea of forgetfulness, not to remember them no more. And my brothers, after that, for the last 27 years, I've been serving the Lord and it's been a blessing. And the Lord has never, ever failed me once. Any failures that came in my life was when I refused to trust him and refused to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. He is the guiding light. The Holy Spirit's not a power you use, but a person you must get to know. Friends, you got to get to know the Holy Spirit. What's the most asked question by Christians? How can I know the will of God? Well, the general will of God is found in this book. The specific will of God is found by getting to know the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to get close to God, you got to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. You start running errands for the Holy Spirit, you'll soon know the voice of the Holy Spirit like Roma was talking about. Truth be told, the Holy Spirit wants to get specific with you in every area of your life. Who to marry, what job to take, what church to go to, what to do, where to go, what to say, when to say it, how to say it. These are all great things to ask the Holy Spirit for, and you will soon, and you will discover the specific will of God for your life only through the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you a tip how to get this type of dialogue started with you and the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Ask the Holy Spirit to make Jesus real to other people by allowing them to see him through you. Ask the Holy Spirit to make Jesus real to other people by allowing them to see him 
through you. The power of the Holy Spirit will make Jesus real to people who don't believe in him. You know, when I got saved, I was so excited when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I would tell everyone. I would pass out tracts like those girls that went in Roman's store. I remember a week before the, the World Trade Center fell down, was bombed. I was in that building passing out tracts. Well, my wife and daughter said, you're just crazy. Stop giving those tracts out. But I would just witness to everyone. And anyone I would ever witness to, they would give their lives to Christ miraculously. And I was so excited because I lived in Kentucky that, uh, to call my family up and tell them about Jesus. But they weren't so excited about this news about Jesus as I was. We all grew up Catholic, but not faith-filled practicing Catholics, Catholic by association. And I think my mother thought because I lived in Kentucky, I joined some hee-haw cult or something. <laughs> she would actually get mad at me, would hang up the phone at me when I would talk to her about Jesus and being born again. And I would get frustrated at trying to witness to my mom and to my family about Jesus Christ. And I, was in the, I, was in, I wasn't even in full-time ministry. I, wasn't, I was called to be a pastor. I knew I was. I just didn't have a job yet. I wasn't working in a church yet. Matter of fact, I was a successful business guy. I was a successful sales guy, and I just got promoted to being a manager of a big telecom company in Kentucky. And one of the elders at our church in Kentucky approached me one day and said, Bill, you need to go work for this guy. You need to go quit your job and go work for this guy. And this guy that he wanted me to go work for was a real, real shady character. And it was one of those risky jobs, you know, one of those multi-level type deals. But he says, you're going to be the head of it. You're going to be in charge of it. You're going to be at that top tier. You know, I looked at it on paper. I looked at the guy that was running the business, and he was one of these real shady dudes. And everything said no. Logically, it made no sense to take that job. But every time I would run into this elder, who was a real balanced, solid guy, he would say, you need to take that job. And he says, I know you're, you're, you're going to pray about it, because he knows I'm going to pray about it. So we prayed about it. I kept praying and praying and praying. And all I can tell you is after a season of prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to guide me, God told me to take that job. As crazy as that sounds, God told me to take that job. While it made no sense on paper, but the voice of God told me to take that job. Now that job would land me in New York City for two weeks every month so that I can utilize all my New York contacts so that we can create all these sales for this company. So I agreed to take the job. And the first weekend that I was taking the job, about a couple of weeks before that weekend, my mother got diagnosed with cancer. And we didn't know how serious it was. And my family decided to bring her, she was living in Florida at the time, and they decided to bring her home to Sloan Kettering Hospital where she can get the best care. We didn't know how serious the cancer was. We didn't know how bad it was. And so that first weekend that we brought my mother up to New York, and that first weekend before I was supposed to start that new job, the first week on the job, I actually attended a pastor's conference at a church in New York City, knowing that God had called me to be a pastor someday. 
And I went to that conference that weekend. And at the end of the conference, I attended that church service on Sunday morning. And that was my first chance I was going to meet my mother, be reunited with my mother face to face. Now, up to this point, I could never witness to her. And as I was leaving the church that day, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, ask your friends to pray for her. That today would be the day that she would give her life to Jesus Christ. So I had some friends at that church, at Times Square Church in New York City. And in the lobby, I asked a few of them to pray. And there was about 15 of them. And they all got in a circle. And they started praying. And all I can tell you is while they were praying, my thought was, if there's a God in heaven... He, has, he is answering this prayer because they're praying with boldness. They're praying with faith. They're praying that this is done, that my mother is saved. She is giving her life to Christ. And all I can tell you is that after that time of prayer in that circle, in that church, I knew my mother was saved, that she was going to give her life to Christ. And I was driving upstate, and I couldn't wait to see her. And I pulled up to my sister's house, and my mother heard me come in. She goes, Bill, is that you? I said, yeah. And I went down to see my mother. The first words out of my mother's mouth was, Bill, how can I get closer to God? And 15 minutes later, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And I baptized her right there. I poured a bucket of water right over her head. <laughs> I didn't take any chance right there. <laughs> and we put her in the hospital the next day. And she had bone cancer, and it was real aggressive. It basically ate away at almost 75% of her bones. And it was very painful. And for two weeks, for the next four months, all she wanted me to do with her every night was read scriptures to her and pray with her. Because it was real. She had a real transformation. Not only was it a real transformation, she started witnessing the people in the hospital. Her doctor came in one day and said, oh, doc, by the way, you're fired. I hired a new doctor today. And the guy said, you can't hire a new doctor. I'm your doctor. Oh, you don't understand. He's already healed me. His name is Jesus. <laughs> you know, and she's already witnessing to the staff. One day, one night, I'm with her real late at night. She goes, pray for my roommate. She's in much worse shape than I am. And we started praying for a roommate, me and my mother, just praying for her roommate. Well, something happened the next day. A roommate's husband comes in. He wasn't even there that night. And he talked to my mother, and, uh, and I was there. And he said, Rosalie, something strange happened last night. And he goes, uh, he goes I walked in my kitchen. I, I heard voices like a couple people praying for my wife. And my mother said, well, what time was that? And the guy said, about 10 o'clock. And then my mother said, well, that was the exact time me and my son were praying for your wife. Here's what the guy said. I know now that there's a God. And my mother said, well, you know, my son's got like this direct line to God. I said, Ma, don't ever say that. We all have a direct line to God. So here's the deal. God saw fit to take my mom home after four months. She came down with a virus one weekend after we thought she was beating cancer. And uh, I got to fly back to New York. I was living in Kentucky at the same time. 
And something interesting happened on the day that my mother passed away. I got a call from that job that I took from the owner. And he fired me. And I hung up the phone. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit said, Bill, the only reason why I, I told you to take that job was so that you could be with your mother the last four months of your life and minister to her. At my mom's funeral, my, one of my cousins came up to me and said, Bill, you look like you know something no one else knows. I said, yeah, I know where my mom is because of a decision she made to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I get back from the funeral. I got no job, no prospects, don't have any money. I wake up one morning and I'm sitting on the think tank in the bathroom. You ever pray while you're on the think tank? I know you do. I do. And I said, Lord, what's next? Where do I go? What do you want me to do? How am I going to pay this bill? What job do you want me to take? Where do you want to send me? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Oh, and by the way, I got this $800 bill that if I don't pay it, they're going to take my car. And I'm just sitting there, just talking to God like that. That's how I talk to God. Here's my deal, Lord. And then God showed me a picture of a billion, billion stars. And I said, what is that? And God, told, God said to me, he said, for every star that you see represents how many times I'm going to touch you and take care of you just as long as you obey and follow me. I just want you to trust, obey, and follow me, and I'll take care of you every day of your life. Well, there was some guy that wanted me to do like an insurance deal, like Aflac, you know, like the duck, whack, whack. And I agreed to go with him to a presentation one night, knowing that I wasn't going to do Aflac. So I sit through this presentation, because he's a good friend of mine. And I look down at the end of the presentation, knowing that I needed to get out of there. And I was dressed in sort of a suit, and I looked down at my shoe, and on my shoe was a shining star. Like a star that you grade like a paper with, a silver star. I still have it in my Bible today. And God reminded me that night, for every star that you see represents how many times I'm going to touch you and take care of you. Well, that was a Friday. The next Saturday, I went to a men's breakfast at my church in Kentucky. Some guy in the hallway comes running to me. He was a doctor in Georgetown, Kentucky. And he said, Bill, Bill. He said, the Holy Spirit has placed you on my heart all week, and I don't know why I'm doing this, but God told me to write you an $800 check. And I don't know what this means, but I hope you can use it. It was the exact amount of money that I needed at that time in my life. You see, when we let God take control of our lives, guess what? He takes control through the Holy Spirit. He takes control through the guiding light, the Holy Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit is the helper 
Jesus sent to do the job. When we fear giving control over to the Holy Spirit, we really fear God's control over our lives. When we refuse to yield to the guiding light, we miss out on the holy excitement of living beyond ourselves. Jim Cimbala, the pastor of that church, wrote in his book, Fresh Power, a book about the Holy Spirit. He said this, the power to be different comes from heaven, not from our own strength. The Holy Spirit was given, as his name implies, so that we can live a holy life with God. Any other source or system, no matter how religious sounding, is a fraud and leads to defeat due to the fleshly impulses of our sinful nature. The Holy Spirit's power is not an option for those who desperately want to be like Christ. He is the only answer. We must get delivered from the idea so prevalent around us that Christianity begins with a supernatural new birth, sin is erased, the conscience is cleansed, but then it's up to us to try really hard to be good and obey God's commands. No, it's not up to us. It's God's work from the beginning to the end. Just as forgiveness can only come through Christ's work on Calvary, daily living for the Lord can only be done through the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit has to be our guiding light. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us into truth, who comforts us, who counsels us, and directs our path, who redirects us. Thank you that you still speak to us today through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you make your word plain to us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you reveal thoughts from heaven to us through the Holy Spirit. I pray that everyone here will be open to the leading of the guiding light, the Holy Spirit of God, who desires an intimate, personal relationship with each and every one of us, who speaks to us and breaks every single chain in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.